0: Coming to you live from an abandoned storage locker somewhere in Mesa, Arizona. You're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham.
1: Attention Alan oh. Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying.
0: And Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Ooh. Boom locket.
1: Welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am Steve Bonham at nonsense underscore Steve, joined as always by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing today?
0: Hey, hey, hey. Oh, wait, that's probably copyrighted. I am fine. <laughs>
1: well, there I goes am, the flag immediately. I am well, yeah. Immediately. Immediately
0: got us flagged. I that's did. That's right. It. Congratulations.
1: It's like targeting in uh, college, just <laughs> right out the gate initially. Just to, we are the kickoff in and you've already got well, to You
0: got to assert dominance. Mm-hmm. You got to assert dominance. That's that's, that's, that's a right.
1: it's, it's a huge thing. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You got to let them know you're not going to play this game. 100%.
1: Uh, we are excited to be here. It is week two. We will be joined later by Dr. Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points, so we are excited to talk to him. Can't wait. But We are going to talk about a week one recap. So what were your biggest takeaways, Neil, from, uh, from week one this past weekend? It was an interesting week, to say the least.
0: It was. It was. And like every year, I guess we'll just start here with just some of the biggest takeaways is always the overreactions. Yeah. Yeah. To- <laughs> So things that happen right. in week one, week one, as we've talked about for years, is it's not a, it's not totally random, but week one is always schlock.
1: It's pretty wonky, to be it's, fair. Yeah, There's
0: always usually something crazy happens. And pe- just watching people melt down, you can right. kind of tell who did their homework, who didn't. And also yeah. you can tell a little bit of insight into people's soul a little bit mm-hmm. about their patience level and about some of their commitment to their own ideas. And things like that, because week one is just it's just that it's week one. It's a one week sample.
1: Right. And that's the thing, too, is it, we talk about all off season. We get into these arguments with people about, well, you you can't hype this guy or you can't like player X because the sample size is only eight games. <laughs> that's way too small of a sample size. And those exact same people are willing to <laughs> throw out the entire summer's worth of research because of <laughs> one week and one game. Cause that's not too small of a sample size.
0: Well, because Aaron Rodgers is done because he played yeah. the worst game of his career in week right. one. That's one of my favorites is mm-hmm. people immediately ready to jump ship on Aaron Rodgers after one bad game. Right. And it's like, I also love my favorite also takeaway, just the conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that got started that he's going to tank out their entire season intentionally. Oh, I love that. And that, that's, that this is his part of his master plan to make sure <laughs> that they don't even try to retain him after this year. He right. just shows up, plays intentionally badly, But not badly enough to just like get set down or cut and ruin his career, but just bad enough to where they make no. And I I love this idea. And to the people on Twitter who started this, I fully co-sign and love this idea. Let's spread that around as much as possible. Great. Uh,
1: yeah. What is it like? He, Aaron Rodgers is dead. His career is clearly over after one
0: game. After the MVP last year, that's right.
1: Yeah, of course. That's how quick it happens. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is a horrible running back who doesn't right. belong in the re- the league. That's right. Uh, yeah, Saquon Barkley is washed. What a waste right. of a first round pick that was. Um, yeah, it's just again, just don't overreact. Surprisingly
0: quiet from the David Johnson. Is done, people though, right.
1: And again, on some interesting situations in those running back rooms, we can talk about
0: that as well. Like sure. Yeah.
1: For for example, the one that I think irked both of us, we'll, we'll start before we even get to kickoff. Before we even got to, to the kickoff on Sunday, uh, Zach Moss, who ha- we have been talking about, who has been talked about by the beat reporters in Buffalo as the best running back on the roster all offseason is a healthy scratch and inactive for Buffalo going into their week one game. Now, we will see how he practiced or how practice goes for him this week. We'll see what happens and if he's a healthy scratch again this week. But we talked about like Devin Singletary is not good. Devin Singletary is hashtag bad. He added
0: another game of sample size to that (laughs) on Sunday. So that that tracks. And I will say nothing like waking up triggered. Yeah. on week one because that happens if you do, you do this long enough this hap that'll happen to you on a sunday you'll wake up and your whole day is immediately ruined just because you looked at your phone yeah. but the the issue that i ran into with that was i just woke up to the sound of my phone going off by mm-hmm. my head and i'm like what is happening it's too early for this what are you already we're starting with this and it's just this and i'm like oh yeah. what a day what a way to start the day so just i i, I mentioned to you privately in the background i still maintain that Zach Moss, I think, broke some sort of team rule in the mm. background here. Because we've seen this before in other years. This will happen. You'll have a surprise inactive when a guy wasn't hurt, and it's a coach's decision just like this was. I, right. I think that's this what's happened here. I think Zach Moss maybe didn't get in before a curfew, and this is kind of like, hey, prove it a point type of thing. But we're going to find out real quick on that. If I'm wrong about that, we're going to know by Sunday, I think.
1: Right. Well, we'll, and again, we'll see, we talked about this off air as well, but I always, especially at the beginning of the season, I'm very interested in snap counts and how often a player is being utilized on the field that, um, if that player is actually being utilized some way, they're just not getting touches or opportunities, or if they're just completely out. Like if they're, I don't know, let's say Brandon, Ayuk. And uh, they're just not being used at all, right. and they're just right. they're just tasting pine over there on the sideline. Um, it, it's very interesting to me that again we had it neck and neck between Moss and Singletary in May when we did right. the initial projections, right. the initial right. rankings, because we didn't know which way it was going to go. And then we come out through the entire off season, and it looks like it's definitely going to be Moss. We've heard nothing but bad and negative things coming out of Buffalo about Singletary, and he's the one who's active. It just didn't make any sense to me at all why you would sit Zach Moss, but it it is what it is. Uh, Devin Singletary was not impressive. We talked about that. He had 11 carries, ended up with 72 yards, which is fine. It's serviceable. But keep in mind, most of that 72 was on one play. He was averaging about three and a half yards per play on his other 10 touches. It was just one big play, and he had two fumbles. Both of those fumbles happened to roll out of bounds and spare him the embarrassment <laughs> of turning them over.
0: Of losing his job to Matt Breida? Yeah, immediately. Yeah, immediately, yeah.
1: But yeah, he How ultimately- embarrassing. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he, he ultimately was able to hold on to the ball uh, or hold on to the job maybe for one more week. We'll see. But like I told you, I feel like this is going to be a hot hand situation. I feel like we're going to see weeks now when Singletary is inactive and Zach Moss gets a chance. And it sure. just all depends on whoever can play the best is going to be the one that gets the most opportunities to uh, to play and, and to have a role on the team. And what that means from a fantasy perspective is probably overdrafted Zach Moss. Yeah, probably. I mean, you still overdrafted Devin Singletary. That was never a good pick because he's just not good at football. But it probably overpaid to get Zach Moss, and now he will have some usable flex weeks. But you're just not going to know when
0: is well, the problem. And that's and that's that gets into an interesting conversation because the the it dovetails into what we'll talk about in a little while, which is some of the interesting week one waiver wire things that always happen. It's fertile, fertile ground for us. But would it not mean that functionally they're borderline? Ne- neither one is usable right it's like devin singletary because a function of just him not being good and then zach moss because you can't ever trust it and don't know yeah so we'll find out here but you are citing precedent actually for people who maybe don't have the longest memory because uh that happened last year that exact scenario that you described Mm -hmm. where zach moss would be active one week and it was also that was also exacerbated because of the pandemic so i think a lot of people might have chalked it up to the pandemic But what we might learn in real time here is it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It's just how they roll in Buffalo and they're only going to dress two, which is odd, but they're only going to do that. And that's just going to be what they do. We're going to find out really quickly. And yeah, to your point, I think you probably overdrafted Zach Moss. But my question becomes, would you cut Zach Moss?
1: Probably not. After
0: one week, I I would probably caution after one week to not want to do that.
1: Especially with what you probably had to pay. In order to have him
0: on your seventh team. round pick average, let's call it. I'm, a, I'm yeah. doing that cold, but that's about yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So it's between seven and nine is what right. I was seeing anyway. Yeah. You really want to cut bait on that after one game when there's a chance that I'm right and right. it's a team penalty thing and he'll be back next week and then he'll be playing. And then this none of this conversation matters. I, I That's why I had an opportunity to actually in one of my leagues to actually do that, to cut Zach Moss, to attempt to pick somebody else up. And I chose not to. Right. Cause I'm like, I, I follow my own advice. You have to, Yeah, I'm not going to cut bait on a guy when we're, we'll do our yearly PSA. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't overreact to week one. Yeah. There's certain but, things that you just don't want to overreact to.
1: Well, and again, talking about the overreactions. So then getting into the games themselves, we had Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, who on Thursday night football, you know, looked not great. But again, there was so many things working against Saquon, or Saquon Barkley coming back from the injury, his first football in a full calendar year, basically. And they have already said publicly they're not going to give him his full 80% touch share out of the backfield, but right. they're ramping him up to a larger role. He had about 48% of the snaps uh, for the Giants, and he did the most he could with them. It wasn't a spectacular game, but again, it's going to be slow going at the beginning of the year, you knew the inherent risk when you were taking Saquon Barkley. This is what you're going to live with the first few weeks of the season. Can your team survive? I think so, because the payoff should be good. And then you talk about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, they played Tampa Bay. People seem to forget about how good Tampa Bay's defense is. (laughs) Here's a reminder. Since last season, so since week one of last year, in their last 17 regular season games, Brian Hill had 94 yards rushing in the week 17 game that didn't matter. And Dalvin (laughs) cook had 102 yards rushing in their week 14 game against Minnesota. Okay. No one else has had over 60 yards rushing against Tampa Bay's defense. And that includes Christian McCaffrey. Right? (laughs) So you're talking, you're like, Oh, well that it's just Tampa Bay. (laughs) So you've got Christian McCaffrey, Deandre Swift, uh, you've got Alvin Kamara twice, Latavius mm-hmm. Murray twice, Jamal Williams. Now Ezekiel Elliott is on that list. David Montgomery. When David Montgomery was
0: hot, was David Montgomery at yeah. apex? Yeah. Melvin
1: Gordon with Denver last season. Um, and then Todd Gurley when he was the starter still for Atlanta, and then Cam Akers when he was coming on at the end of the season. Austin Eckler. Like the list of these guys, like these are all top tier running backs that they held completely in check because their defense is that good. The front seven, especially. Right. And now people want to just assume that Zeke is done because he didn't get it done against a defense that no one else has gotten it done (laughs) against. I, I don't I don't know. But we saw like they had no offensive line. They, they had Zach Martin out because of COVID. He's right. already back with the team. He's already, He should be good to go for this week. So that's going to be a huge boost. You're not playing Tampa's defense again. I expect Zeke to show out this week and prove why he's a top 10 back, and he'll be perfectly fine.
0: Oh, and he's playing against me in several leagues this week, so guaranteed 40. <laughs> so that, that,
1: that means folks. slam so dunk. That's 40. my
0: that's my logic. But it the Zeke thing, it's way too early to see the level of panic I'm seeing on the internet. It's yeah. just been the loudest. It was the loudest because it was the only game on Thursday night. So everybody got to watch it as part of right. it. But also there was a lot of Zeke haters before yeah. a lot a lot of this went down. And this just fuels the fire for them. So they're out there stoking the flames. It's not, it's not helping. Bottom line, if you have Zeke, this is the Cardinal don't overreact to week one situation. Yeah. Because that was a top five pick for you more than likely. Yep. Do not sell that for pennies on the dollar. You will likely right. lose your league immediately upon doing so. It will be game right. over no matter what. Yeah. You're married to Ezekiel Elliott for a while here until something changes. Hopefully, and he should. Look, if the Cowboys are going to throw it 60 times a week, somebody's going to get killed. Yeah, That can't be the offense. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen again. It might happen again at some point throughout the year. And this is sure. something to keep it's an eye on consistently, happen. but this can't consistently happen or they're not yeah. going to go anywhere. They're going to have to commit to running the ball throughout this. And they're not playing Tampa Bay's front seven every week, as you pointed yeah. out. So that's the biggest one. The, the Saquon thing, I, I don't understand how people are confused. Yeah. Cause how much media coverage could there possibly have been about the Saquon Barkley injury? It was mm-hmm. on every channel. It, 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 like, I don't understand how you're even confused. And then they told you before the game right. that he was on a pitch count. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there's no hand jive here. So the, just there's some doing
1: interesting it. splits then, too. So first off, let's start with the one that worked out really well. Detroit.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: So DeAndre really Swift be and Jamal Williams, we we saw from the get go that. Uh, DeAndre Swift was going to be the guy. He was not going to be limited. They said he wasn't hurt anymore. Deuce Staley came out and said that there's no pitch count. We're not going to count the snaps or right. anything. He's just it, going. Like, we'll count the snaps on Monday morning. That was his exact <laughs> quote. Um, so they that they were just going to let him go. It was going to be wheels up on uh, DeAndre Swift. Then they come out of the tunnel and they announce Jamal Williams as the <laughs> starter. He gets the entire first series. And we're like, what are they doing? Are they actually going to go with Jamal Williams? And no, they didn't stick with Jamal Williams. They went full blown, like 50-50 committee almost. You and I talked about the the splits, and it was 70% of the snaps Mm -hmm. for DeAndre Swift because he was lining up on the outside occasionally, but also 35% of the snaps for Jamal Williams. So it was still (laughs) almost a two-thirds advantage in snaps for Swift, but they had about a 50-50 split in both targets and carries. They were both heavily involved in that offense well, for Detroit. Are
0: you working your way there cuz I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but the most important thing that we've uncovered out of that was realizing that effectively Jamal Williams gets the ball 56% of the time when he's on the field. It's going yes. to him. Yeah. Which is fascinating that that's fascinating that's like tariq cohen level from the bears during his right. breakout year where right. if he's on the field over half the time he's getting the football yeah it's it, it that's the most amazing thing i don't know if that's
2: sustainable but it's fascinating right. did someone say deandre swift <laughs> oh, rd1 he's, <laughs> he's got a steel chair oh no <laughs> i have been oh my summoned- god that's
1: jack's music
2: I've been summoned by the DeAndre Swift hype. I had to come in here. You can see it, the Lions jersey over here. You know I'm all about the Detroit Lions and DeAndre Swift. Oh, what a breakout RB1 performance. How do you not love it?
1: For our uh, audio listeners, we are joined now by Mr. Jack Kavanaugh from the Sunday and Friday shows here on... He has on forced
0: 49. his way into the studio yes. past security. <laughs> With a steel chair, as
1: as Neil pointed out.
0: About yeah. DeAndre Swift, and well, he's got a steel chair, so... No, that's watch.
1: my favorite stat of the weekend, though, too, is just that uh, Jamal Williams ends up as the PPR RB2, <laughs> and DeAndre Swift as the PPR RB4, right, literally right next to each other, and... TJ Hawkinson led that team in targets. He had one more than Jamal Williams who had one or one more than Swift who had one more than Jamal Williams. And then nobody else was even close. Yeah. Like (laughs) Williams had nine and then the next highest wide receiver had four. So Uh, like,
2: yeah, yeah. It was was nobody was
1: in the ballpark.
2: So the one thing I will say is Amon Ross St. Brown was missed on what would have been a touchdown pass on the second drive of the game. Mm -hmm. And he had two receptions taken away by penalty. So he doesn't look impressive on the stat sheet, Yeah, but he's the only one that matters there in the receiving game. And even then, I don't know.
1: Well, and Tyrell (laughs) Williams, who is their quote unquote one is already banged up.
2: Yeah. Concussion. Yep.
1: So honestly, in the terms of the passing game, like I'm on Ross St. Brown is the number one wide receiver, but he's the number four guy to me on the team. Like he's he's behind Williams in terms of target share. Yep. Yeah. But what like I said, what I was getting to there, though, with uh, Neil, what we were talking about is, yes, if you just look at the stats and look at the paper, then yes, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift basically shared the job. And had a 50-50 share, but like I said, when we go back and look at the snaps, it was actually dominated by Swift. He was on the field significantly more, and Jamal Williams just happened to make the most of his opportunities because 58% of the snaps he was on the field, he got targeted or got a carry. That's not going to sustain. That is it shouldn't not be possible. possible.
0: It shouldn't be mathematically possible. So
1: if the snaps continue to be broken out that way, then Jamal Williams will fade down the list. However, I would for sure be thrilled if I am the manager of DeAndre Swift and I manage to also get uh, Jamal Williams as my backup.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like
1: if that's my handcuff, I feel great about it because if something yeah. does actually happen to Swift, then I've got a top 10 backup lined up, ready to go.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be, and if something was to happen to Swift and you wanted to go out and try and acquire Murray, that's going to be pricey in a hurry based on what we've seen. So I don't even know how you could convince the other person to give it up at that point if they've been holding it that long. Yeah,
1: this feels like, this feels like the new New Orleans situation, right, where you've got the Alvin Kamara, the, the DeAndre Swift in this offense, who's the top five to 10 back on a weekly basis. And then you've got Jamal Williams, who always has flex appeal, Week to week, you may want to play them both even at some point. But ultimately, if you lose out on one of them, you end up getting the full job. And that's a huge role to have.
0: Especially the relative price point you had to invest to get Jamal Williams. Exactly. As we spent all offseason telling people, yeah, this is not something you should be sleeping on. And people just kept sleeping on it.
1: So then the other one was the Broncos is how would it break out between... Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams from a like a pure snap standpoint, it was literally 50, 50. They had, they exactly had the same amount of snaps on the field. They shared the job completely. The only reason it looks different is because Melvin Gordon, in the fourth quarter broke a 70 yard touchdown. (laughs) That's it. That was the only difference between the two of them. However, I will say Melvin Gordon's 70 yard touchdown was the fastest play recorded of the weekend. So, I mean, it, whatever you want to do with that information. Like, he's not done.
3: He's mm-hmm. not washed.
1: He's not going away. Like, Javante Williams will have that job. He will be good. He can be a three-down back in the future. But I just don't see any way they don't use Melvin Gordon unless he gets hurt. Unless yeah. something happens to him.
2: My, I think this, go ahead, Jack. Oh, my biggest piece of advice with this happening, though, would be... If you can get something, someone to overpay for Melvin Gordon right now, sure, you do it. Like yeah. it, I, I saw a trade recently. You get Melvin Gordon and a throw in for Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of upgrade you want. Yeah, yeah. If speaking of overreactions and people, we keep cautioning them to not
0: do it, but we've seen <laughs> a lot of wonky trades on our yeah. Discord server, which you can join by becoming a Patreon. Help us keep the lights on here, folks. As for I tell one dollar every week. For one dollar. But that conversation's been ongoing in the trade channel, where people are doing some real wonky trades already this year. So to Jack's point, if uh, if people don't follow our advice, use that to your advantage. Go see if you can get something for Melvin Gordon because he's not going to put up a seventy-yard touchdown okay. <laughs> every single week. Right. So and they're also not playing the Giants every week so there's going to be less rushing opportunities potentially twice a year when they have to play teams like eh, Kansas city. And then two more times a year when they have to play the chargers. Mm -hmm. So it's just not, if if people are willing to pay you face value from over from Helvin Gordon right now, absolutely run to your computer and go get that. Like go, go. I like that throw in for Lamar trade. That's a solid one. It's a good upgrade.
1: Yeah. I thought another interesting running back, you know, split to watch was going to be Philadelphia. How would they handle Miles Sanders? And then what would happen behind him? We've been saying all summer that Kenny Gainwell is the number two there, that he's going to be the pass catching back, that that's the role he's going to have. And now we've seen, you know, there was a lot of surprise. Like, oh, I thought it would be Boston Scott who would be taking over that role still. But no, it was Gainwell, and it was nice to see him in the red zone getting utilized there as well.
0: At this point, it's like Boston Scott's not even hardly rosterable. I mean, he was barely rosterable yeah. before, but it's, it seems like he's just going to be the new Corey Clement. <laughs> so that's going to be it. Sorry, Which is Boston.
1: Not exciting
0: for anybody. No, it's not a fantasy relevant thing, Matt. Right. So no, I'd say I'd say we we just yeah just leave that where it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was there any other splits that that caught your eye over there?
1: Well, we have one to talk about here, and I think this guy can help us. So we've got uh, Edwin is here. So, Doctor Edwin Porras. Welcome Welcome to the show. I have to say DPT because I'm a big Britt Baker fan, so I gotta I gotta throw (laughs) in the the DPT just for the shout out there. But how are you doing this evening, sir?
3: I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys putting up with me being a little late tonight. I I appreciate. I'm ready. I'm excited to be here.
0: He's never (laughs) watched this before. He doesn't understand how low the professionalism bar is. (laughs) That's the case. I'll fit right in. Don't worry. That's that's the case. I'll fit right in.
1: It's nonsense for a reason, sir. Nonsense for a reason. (laughs) Uh, but we were just talking about running back splits, and I think this is actually a great spot to to bring you in to talk here because we've the next one up is San Francisco
3: with Ooh.
1: Raheem Mostert getting hurt. So how does the the massive overreaction to Elijah Mitchell's one week with Trey Sermon being inactive <laughs> uh, <laughs> impact your take on the uh, the
3: committee in San Francisco? You know, I think it's it's a difficult thing to tease apart, and as fantasy. Managers, fantasy players, I think we have a tendency to overestimate exactly how much we know, and nobody likes to remind us that more of that than Kyle Shanahan. So we don't we don't really know <laughs> what what they're gonna what do is statement. Yes. Brandon Ayuk basically inactive, yeah. Um Trey Sermon actually literally inactive, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell getting the chunk of carries with that uh uh with with Mostert going down. So, like, I think from a strategy perspective, as long as we understand as fantasy managers that this could go south, like Elijah Mitchell could turn into, you know, I don't know, Jeff Wilson, once Jeff Wilson gets back, right. You know, as long as we understand that. And I mean, too late now, right. If you put in a hundred dollars, you know, fab <laughs> right. for him, like too late now. Yes. But as long as you understand that this, this could very easily turn into Elijah Mitchell ending the season as like RB 25. Like that's mm-hmm. it's very conceivable. Yeah. Um, and the ceiling is capped too. like, what are the chances Elijah Mitchell fi- finishes as RB 12, like very low. Right. Like, yeah. I think, I think it's safe to say that his, his potential finishes on a points per game basis is probably somewhere between RB 25 and RB 15. Right. And so if you blew your fab on that, <laughs> I, you know, good on you. It depends if you're, you know, if you're really being aggressive, like every, every league is different and I get that, but I think that we did definitely sort of overshoot how much, Elijah Moore could the value that Elijah Moore could actually bring because now that Trey Sermon is going to be active Shanahan could thrust a totally new sort of design I mean not an entirely new design right but like an entirely new game plan in terms of who's going to get the ball now so moral of the story we know less than we think we know that's what I'm trying to say
1: and I think this go like if you want to look at recent history even let's just go back to last year week one Marlon Mack gets hurt Naheem Hines has a monster game and then all of a sudden everyone's blowing their entire fab to acquire Naheem Hines because he's going to be the next great thing in that offense and he's going to be the three down back and Taylor's just there to back him up and that did not pan out there was a lot lot (laughs) of people that blew a lot of fab on that and I think we're in a similar situation here like Sermon has apparently been getting outplayed in practice. We'll we'll see how true that actually is when he gets on the field. But now you have to keep him active. You need the warm bodies. We'll see how act or how he does out there in live game reps and what what he can mm-hmm. bring to the table. And so,
2: and I'll even say Jamichael Hasty worth yeah. a roster spot now that you don't have to spend any fab on him now that mm-hmm. he's he's a, a free ad he's worth a roster spot cuz we know the 49ers they like to cycle those backs even Raheem Moster when he's running as the RB1 he's only getting like a 43% opportunity share it's just like the home run threat so yeah take it's kind of like we always used used to say about the Patriots backfield before Damien Harris take the guy that costs you the lowest amount of fab or the lowest amount of draft capital and roll with him cuz there's a good chance he's going to hit at some point
0: right Doc, is it true that Jeff Wilson threw out his knee because he stood up awkwardly getting out of a chair? Can you validate that? I know you have sources in the medical community. Can you confirm that for me right here on the show?
3: Uh, listen, I know that was the story. Um it's a funny story. Got to say, I haven't heard anything like it before. What? <laughs> no, no, like... no,
0: Nate Burleson hurting himself years ago, ordering, uh, yeah. trying to get a pizza. Yeah, delivery. trying to get a pizza. That There's was, absolutely that was, no the best way, way one. he fell down yeah. the stairs. Uh-huh. There's uh-huh. absolutely yeah. no chance that that happened. No. What's,
3: What what's funny is that it's the, it's sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. Like his tissue's probably having pain and discomfort before. There was probably already damage in the knee. There was probably already something going on. And all it takes is one. Right. It's like a drop in the bucket. But when the bucket's full and you put a drop in it, the rest of it spills over. Right. And that that's sort of what I imagine the scenario was like it probably had less to do with uh, him standing up from a chair and more to do with, you know, however many years getting pounded into the ground by mm-hmm. massive linemen uh, uh, through college and, and, and into the pros, which probably would have had more like likely to do. That's a well, very
0: professional answer, but it's not as funny. It's not as funny <laughs> at all. I also, funny. I also
3: uh, saw some, I think it was Emmanuel Acho, who said he quotes, when that came out, right? Somebody reported that, like a legitimate source. And no, Emmanuel, that's how I saw it the first time, because yeah, I, yeah. I was
0: looking at my phone like, this is broken. <laughs> I need to get a new phone. What happened here?
3: Emmanuel Acho, he himself said that when he was demonstrating to his PT that he was recovered from his MCL tear, from his mcl sprain he tore his mcl which is like mm. a pts nightmare like yeah. an, an absolute nightmare <laughs> it's like no. a nightmare scenario where no. I'm like, oh, no. because a he clearly yeah. was never going to recover with rehab or b i tr- i let him do something that he shouldn't have been doing at that point yet mm. so that's like a nightmare scenario but yeah that that it was it, it sort of made me cringe but also kind of made me laugh at the same time <laughs>
1: Well, I think uh, I think straw that broke the camel's back is going to be an excellent segue here, because if I am a manager of Josh Jacobs, I am terrified Mm. right now watching him play on Monday night. He put up a lot of yards. He he was decent when he was out there. But after every single play, he got up in horrible amounts of pain. (laughs) and was hobbling around on the sideline because of that foot injury. They changed out the shoe. They kept doing any different thing they could do to try to keep him out there and playing, but it just seems like he is not right. And he is determined to play through it. And to me, that just screams at some point he's going to hurt himself severely.
3: I think that um, he was clearly limited. and. It was obviously an issue. They were on the sideline, retaping his toe, trying to figure out what was going on. He was listed today with ankle, actually, like ankle and toe or something. Yeah, I, I, I saw.
2: I saw he was listed with everything at on, <laughs> <Yeah. over> on <laughs> N- NBC Sports.
3: <laughs> so I have. Um, where did it go, Josh Jacobs? I have the injury report sitting here in front of me, and he was officially listed on the injury report with toe slash ankle. So now we now he's got the ankle issue. Yeah, he's playing through pain. When he downplayed his his uh, toe injury the other day, I didn't I didn't buy it. He was saying that he was just getting rest days, something something. Right. didn't buy it. He missed two early week practices. He's missing this week's uh, early week practice. He didn't practice today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have Josh Jacobs, I mean, you're you're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you drafted him in a spot where you don't you likely you're less likely to have good options. Um, but I would expect another, you know. Pain through playing, pain playing through pain type of performance from Josh Jacobs. And when you say he had a lot of yards, I mean he had ten carries for thirty-four yards. If it wasn't for those two touchdowns, mm-hmm. and I know I hate doing that, right? I hate doing that whole "well, yep. if you take away, blah blah blah." Like I get, I, I understand like the, the deficits to that. Yeah, yeah. But if you can, if you take away those two touchdowns, like he he did not do well. Like he did not perform well. And the reason that matters, and I feel like the reason that analysis specifically matters, is that he. The underlying reason why he wouldn't have looked good is because he was playing through pain on top of the fact that he still only played 52% of snaps. I don't know what a snap count was last year, but 52% as a dude that was, I mean, Saquon Barkley played 48% and we're, 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 you know, in a situation where Jacob's playing 52%. So the dude's clearly not a hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I think that was very interesting. And when, and when I was saying that, uh, by the way, the,
1: the, that he got like, a bunch of yardage. I was kind of comparing that to Kenyon Drake <laughs> and the lack of production just in general, they were getting on the ground there in that game. But, but he was fighting for the yards was kind of my point. And just that, I think looking at that, seeing that how I feel like this could kind of be a, a foreshadowing of, of him possibly getting more severely hurt down the line. I think this could be a decent opportunity. If somebody's not paying attention to go out and acquire Kenyon Drake if it's possible. Or if you're the Kenyon Drake manager, maybe you feel good about having him rostered now on your bench because there is potential that if, if jo- Josh Jacobs keeps abusing his body like this and he misses an extended amount of time, all of a sudden Kenyon Drake has an entire role to himself that is potentially a top 20 back.
3: Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree with that. And I don't think necessarily this would ever evolve into like a full rupture for Jacobs, right. but it could at some point turn into, okay, I'm going to take the week off or, okay, we need mm-hmm. to shut you down for two weeks or, you know, something along those lines, like what you saw with Rashad Penny. Like this right. could very easily turn into that situation. Um, and then you would have a few free, you know, a free square with, with Kenyon Drake. If you have him rostered, I'd actually be curious to see what Kenyon Drake's... Um, what his roster ship looks like um, over like a Yahoo or something. I don't know if you guys have that. Handy. Uh,
0: I can tell you that an ESPN he's at 85%. Wow. Now. Yeah.
3: Really?
1: Well, he was
0: like a 10th round pick. Yeah. So that's, that's like, true. he was roughly in that neighborhood. So there's an equal amount of Kenyan Drake haters and equal <laughs> amount of people who are Kenyan Drake apologists. They Damn. cancel each other out. So he gets, he ends up being rostered pretty Pretty regularly, just, right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah, yeah. it's, it's just worth double checking.
3: check, make sure. Yeah,
0: it's worth checking because Kenyon Drake. I think he, uh, it, for most of the game, he had four carries for four yards. Which, you by don't the way, love.
3: some somebody just offered my Darren Waller and my Tyler Lockett for Robert Tunyon Kareem hutton Terry McLaurin mm. what what a, what a great deal how
2: disrespectful how
3: disrespectful. <laughs> how disrespectful is correct I offered this guy I offered this guy last week before week one I offered him Waller for an, another package deal I think it was for Diggs. I think he's regretting that one now yeah I mean he's he's rostered Kenyon Drake is currently rostered
2: I got an offer Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon for Saquon Barkley that was a turn down. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. I appreciate the effort though from that person. You, you gotta
3: try. Well,
0: you
2: gotta try, right? You gotta shoot your Look, shot, you, right? you miss a hundred percent of the shots? You don't take. It's, a, right. it's the same guy who got Lamar Jackson for Melvin Gordon in a throw-in. So
0: yeah. No, right. well, <laughs> well, at that point,
2: no. At that point, Jack, you're hot. You keep rolling.
0: Exactly. You just keep rolling. Just keep How going, many of these yeah. can I parlay? Right. Let's go. Like you don't stop when you're hot. You just got to roll it. So. Um,
1: yeah, rolling I, I, right into. Hold
0: on, I have one question real Roll, quick yeah. on Josh Jacobs. Can you explain? They changed his shoes in the first quarter, and they were saying he has for turf toe. He has metal plates in the bottom of his shoes. Can you <laughs> yeah, explain so... that to to a lay person, like a business person here? I don't know anything about medicine or physical therapy
2: at all.
3: <laughs> the reason that he has plates in his foot is because if you think about the big toe. A, what turf toe with the turf toe injury is, is when that toe extends back further than it's supposed to. Okay. So it's here. It's supposed to bend this much. You end up over bending it. The tissues on the, on the bottom side, get irritated this and overstretched. painful. Yeah. So okay. what, what happens when you put a plate under it? Well, you can't bend it at all, right? Oh, it, it gets protected okay. So you don't overstretch it. That's Thank what the plates you. are about.
0: <laughs> that confused me very much. When <laughs> <laughs> plates and shoes.
3: Yeah. And I don't mean it's not it any it's, sense. It, like you can't freaking play through it. Like you can't, that's not that's not comfortable that's not that's right. not you know what i mean like as long yeah, as he has those yeah. plates in there he's going to be limited
0: well yeah and i got to imagine like landing with your feet just running on the plates mm-hmm. it's got to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. so he's probably like making the choice in his head it's either deal with the pain of the plates or just deal with it hurting anyway that's right so throw the plates away like i don't right. forget it like Okay, that, thank you. That helped me. I, I'm sure if I'm confused, other people watching are confused too. So it's like, why were they change?
3: Oh, we're live, aren't we? Wow, look at that. We are live. <laughs>
0: we are live.
1: Yeah, watched we, by we've been doing people. this. Yeah, t- literally tens.
0: Tens of people.
1: Uh, so the only other running back committee was Baltimore. We wanted to see how that was going to shake out with the slew of injuries that they've had to deal with. And Tyson Williams ended up having the bulk of the workload in the first half. Then towards the end, in the crunch time, they sort of went to Latavius Murray. Jack, you're our resident Baltimore guy. What what do you think's happening in that backfield now? They let go Trenton Cannon. He's gone. I know you're sad.
2: Oh, (laughs) devastated over losing Trenton Cannon. (laughs) The writing's
1: on the wall. Here comes Le'Veon Bell for the revenge game against Kansas City, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) it's it's either him or it's Devonta Freeman, and I'm going to – guess they go with bell at this point i still do think it's tyson williams backfield and in the second half they go to latavius murray because tyson williams not good in pass protection at all he's ultimately the one who cost them the game he's the one that allowed that sack fumble that uh, turned it over to the uh the raiders in their own territory so yeah that's kind of why they can't give him the full load and you'll still see a healthy dose of latavius murray but until I see anything from Bell, I'm not going to believe it. Because he, he didn't practice all year. He didn't look good last year. Sorry, he didn't practice all summer. He didn't look good last year. So why do I expect him to be good now? Other than the revenge game. Yay.
1: <laughs> That's right. Pump the narrative. Pump the narrative.
2: And Sammy Watkins' revenge game, too. Don't forget that.
1: That's right. Because <laughs> that worked out so well. This The week one Watkins. Oh, that was so sad. It was so close. He's uh, referring I, I, I to his right. personal. To my, my personal parlay. That's all right. He's referring to his it's own a, personal okay. parlay there. Don't worry about that it.
0: It's confused fine. the tens of people yeah, watching ex- this. Exactly. Still yes. bitter about it. That's right. Two if, days if, if, if you're
1: following them through our Discord with the sports betting channel, then you you already know I was so close. I just needed Derek Carr to not turn into a good quarterback at the end of that game, and it
0: didn't work out. Yeah, really. You almost won the most unlikely $100 I would have ever seen, I think. <laughs> so they, they never should have had no business even being in that parlay.
1: Uh, So the other big news this week was, of course, Jerry Judy going Mm -hmm. down with the ankle injury. And it turns it looks like he may have like caught a break and not getting too severely hurt Uh, because from the looks of it, it looked horrible. It looked like his season was probably done. But now it's high ankle. We're hoping for what, like four to six is typically the, the range for a high ankle.
3: So we're getting the report from Schefter that is, it's going to be four to six. My, The tenor of the whole situation seems to be that it's pretty significant. He's probably got a decent amount of swelling. We're going to assume there's no rupture of the deltoid ligament itself uh, simply because it's not a surgical case. He didn't have a fracture associated with it. The li- that's the ligament that's on the inside that sort of was overstrained when you saw it. I'm sure you guys all saw the video. Yeah. Uh, that ankle got overstrained. So, yeah, it looked really bad and it was bad the thing about it is the data shows that only about 10 to like 15% of players actually miss four to six, four to six weeks. Um, and most of them miss three weeks. He was placed in the short term, arm. So he's going to IR. So he's going to so miss at least three. There's a chance he's back by the fourth week. That's not a slam dunk yet today. Ian Rappaport did say something like, I'd bet it's closer to six. It sounded more like speculation. Rappaport's known to speculate a little bit. Um, I mean, these guys no. all speculate, right? Yes. Like, no. like, like Rappaport speculated, Saquon might not be back till week three. Uh, Adam Shepard ah, said, you he, gotta
0: get your 30 tweets out a day. Are they
3: fine? Uh, right, right. Okay. It's the Adam NFL Sheffer, network. Social Adam media, Sheffer, but you gotta get them out. He speculated that, uh, Dak won't be a hundred percent healthy. Like, like these guys speculate every now and then, and whatever. They're they're at their liver, Like, they're allowed to do that. But I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily panic about it yet. I'm not actively acquiring Judy just because it's not something. That injury not one that I'm actively chasing. It's not like a discount type thing. So, but I am holding on to the to the Jared Judah that I have on other rosters.
1: So when he does come back, with the history of high ankle sprains, I know you've pulled the data on this before. So with the history of high ankle sprains, when he does come back about how long after he returns, can we expect him to be at least close to his hundred percent?
3: So assuming this doesn't turn into a Michael Thomas situation, which it's not common. It's not a Michael Thomas. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that's not common. However, it's not unheard of where these players try to play through this injury and really they should have had surgery. It's not uncommon, not unheard of, but assuming that that's not the case here, then by week five or six after this injury, theoretically is when is when we would see uh, Jerry Judy back to 100%. That is based on a study done in 2013, based on all 32 team physicians who agreed. That's a, essentially what you're looking at. Uh, most dudes come back actually about 15 days, but they are not. They don't look the same for four to six weeks. So week five or six is probably when you're going to get full blown back to 100% Jerry Judy. But so- that doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be you know, putting up zeros, but there's there's about a yeah. there's about a twenty percent dip in uh production, fantasy point production coming back off these high angles in the first week back. So that, that'd be essentially what you're looking at for Jared Judy.
1: So you're saying five to six weeks after the injury occurred, right? Yes, five to six yeah. weeks since injury. Okay. So then with him being out, Neil, is there anyone specifically that changes your opinion on in the, the Denver wide receiver room?
0: St. Patrick, baby. It's got to be Tim Patrick. <laughs> Tim Patrick is
1: back. That's the debate, right? It's because uh, we're Patrick. all... Tim Patrick. Yeah, that's right. There you, you thank go. You, thank you. you. Somebody, Somebody
0: gets the show. <laughs> getting nothing from you two.
1: That's... <laughs> It's that because that's the debate. I think we're all either you're either in or out on Cortland Sutton, and that nothing has changed on that. Now this doesn't significantly change your projection Not for his him. Job I think his change. his role like, is basically the it's same. same. It's just do you like Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler? That seems to be the the debate now, and I've seen it go both ways. I'm with you. I'm Tim Patrick as well. I think he's the bigger body, and I think he gives you more red zone opportunity. Whereas Hamler is more just the the home run threat, I'd prefer him if I had him in a best ball league that I drafted before the season. Like, oh, sure. hey, maybe now this will cash a few times, but other than that, I'm not super interested. Jack,
0: uh, what do you think? I was going to say, Jack, what do you think about KJ Hamler?
2: Well, I am a known KJ Hamler apologist. <laughs> I loved him coming out of Penn State. <laughs> I've been a fan for a while now. I draft. I did draft him quite a bit in best ball. Hmm. So I I think I'm going to go with him. He's probably going to end up playing a lot in the slot where Jerry Judy was operating beforehand. Tim Hmm. Patrick, the bigger body on the outside. So there's a chance, it's not likely, but there's a chance that KJ Hamler does become a little bit of a PPR threat as well if he's in the slot.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Just getting the volume underneath. Uh, Does this, I mean, that's the wide receivers. Does this change your... Your view on Noah Fant at all because he was heavily involved in the offense, especially after Judy was out.
2: I th- I, th- I think Noah Fant was always a good pick on where you were getting him, like ninth roundish, tenth mm-hmm. roundish. So I- I'm not sure it completely changes. It-, it does condense the targets a little bit, but he-, he was always going to be good.
0: Okay. Can I ask you, Steve? like unpack the question are you asking does this what do you what do you want to know could Noah Fant go from like what was he like Titan 8 or 9 in preseason Yeah, he where do I think you he want was like 7
1: or 8, seven, does eight he nine. move or, up the list at all where, for you in Titan?
0: I'd say he might move up one or two spots but if you're asking if he could ascend even to 4 to compete with TJ Hawkinson I'm going to say no you would need well, another yeah, I think, you would need another injury to happen on the Broncos before that would even be on the table.
1: I yeah I think the only thing that would be in the discussion would be 5 because I think you already have the top three established, and then Hawkinson's really knocking on that door with yeah. how bad they are and what his role is on And that five team. was
0: Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard, depending on who you want to talk to, depending right. on something like that.
1: Yeah, so does he step ahead either of those guys for you? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not
2: yet. Yeah. Kyle Kyle Pitts was everyone's favorite, too, and he wasn't impressive in his debut. Yeah, but he's... if you were
0: following our work, you, had, you didn't into <laughs> yeah. that. To be
1: fair, nobody on Atlanta was impressive. Yeah, but he like, still did
2: have 23% the target The offensive share. players,
1: the defensive players, the coaches, the fans weren't great. None of it. None of it was good about Atlanta.
2: Honestly. 23% target share is pretty good for a tight end, though. So, yes. Kyle Pitts, if, if you like Kyle Pitts, yeah. you shouldn't be off of him yet
1: it would obviously be
2: too i don't early like to Kyle that much so <laughs> didn't draft him a lot
1: well i mean so that that was like the the major news
0: from the weekend
1: and we already talked about you
0: know how Aaron Rodgers how dare you how what? dare you just end the major news segments without without talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: oh yeah so you want to talk how, about how, Ryan Fitzpatrick yes i absolutely
0: want to talk about Ryan right, Fitzpatrick fine. i have well, a doctor here i have questions <laughs> i have questions <laughs> you i right need ahead. answers all right all right ask uh, him so, can you explain to me and to other lay people what a hib subluxation is? Or, I, and again, I butchered that because I, I didn't have it in front of me phonetically, like I probably should have. I've been trying to struggle with that for two days. I, I what is it? I think I, I think that's pretty basic. And then, if your patient's a thirty eight year old man with a lot of car crashes on his body, what's your
3: prognosis?
0: How do you think that's going to heal? You're on mute, by the way.
3: Oh. Nope. Good, I'm hey. glad you caught me on that one. Yeah. So, hip subluxation is when the joint partially dislocates and comes back in on its own. So, imagine a tennis ball, or not a t- yeah, imagine like a baseball in a in a glass, like a water glass. So it fits in there nice and snug, right? Mm-hmm. Now, imagine that baseball slowly, sort of rolling out to the side just a tad bit and coming back in. That's what happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick's hip, the hip joint. Okay. So it's it's, as it's as unpleasant as it sounds. Yeah, it sounds Uh, pretty unpleasant. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. The structures involved get damaged. Um, they they the muscles start to sort of uh, hyper guard, and 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 everything's just sort of disrupted. It's a massive joint. It is the much lesser version of of Tua's situation. Tua's injury was obviously much more. Uh, extensive, and there was there was there was there were fractures involved, and and the hip actually dislocated and needed to be put back in by the medical staff. This one was sort of like the baby version of that, but this is going to be a six to eight week at least uh, issue for Fitzpatrick. With the chances of it, he, he might. There's a chance that they just might shut him down, mm-hmm. um, given his age. Like you were mentioning, that is relevant. Uh, given the fact that he's going to have to get his mojo back, his, his mobility is going to be extremely limited, even if he does come back. I mean, this is not a, an insignificant injury for a person of Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, sort of status. This is, this is going to impact him quite a bit. You
0: mean as a borderline 40-year-old man? As a borderline yeah, yeah, 40-year-old yeah. man. Cause as a, as a, as a, a, from one fellow border 40 line, 40 year old man to another, uh, I, I feel that just, I don't heal like I used to when I was 18, man, like these kids out here, like, no, 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 no. That car crash, the 22 year old will walk away. Somebody pushing 40. No, 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 no.
3: Yep. That's, that's exactly essentially what, what you have to worry about. So He's going to be off at least eight weeks, I would imagine. Um, And then depending on where Washington even is at that point with their quarterback situation, I, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if they're just like, hey, man, take the time to rehab. Maybe you need surgery. We don't know. But this is a really volatile situation. Like it's not it's not an insignificant injury.
0: Well, and you mentioned the mobility. That was the biggest thing that I was thinking about the other day. Just talking to people It's like, well, half of Ryan Fitzpatrick for fantasy is the fact that he famously led the Miami Dolphins in rushing like he runs that's what he does it's super helpful and if he's not there to do that and he can't do that he's never been good enough as a pure arm talent to be able to put up those gaudy numbers then he just is too turnover prone so at this point i hate to say it as as fun as it was to have this this lovely one game and preseason (laughs) of this i think it's over i think if you have ryan fitzpatrick you might as well just cut him because it's eight weeks and then he's probably to your I think he kind of confirmed it for me. He ain't going to be able to run anymore.
3: Yeah. So there's right. no
0: point in rostering him at that point. He was barely roster rule to begin with. It was kind of a fun
2: flyer thing. And now. Buried. So now, now this begs the question, do we believe in Taylor Heineken? Heine- no, Heineke? <laughs> no, 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 Heine- you always Heineken. want to say a
1: Heineken, but it's okay. always to... It's Heineken.
2: Yeah. It's Heineken I'm, without the end at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm going Heineken. Uh, Taylor right, Heineken. Do we make him, believe? Make sure. him earn it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I I was saying to Neil, too, like we talked about this in our offseason shows when we were doing the Washington breakdown. And it was I felt really good about all the players on that roster, because when you look at it, really, your worst case scenario is your best case scenario from last year for all of these guys, because Tyler Heineke was without a doubt the best quarterback that they had going last season. And then he got hurt and it was the Alex Smith show, which was a great story but not a great quarterback situation. So I think Heineke will be just fine. He understands the offense. We were hearing reports that he was pushing Fitzpatrick at one point in the offseason, that they were seriously considering going with Heineke as the starter, and then Fitzpatrick just separated himself. But now I think they'll be good there. I think the bigger question is, who do they bring in as the backup? Because you have to bring in somebody. With you don't what believe they're in Kyle thinking. Allen? No. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I know Ron Rivera seems to
0: fool me four times now, I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but I really think that it's going to be tough for them to, to get to where they want with Kyle Allen potentially as, as the quarterback. So Tyler Heineke, I'm fine. Is there somebody out there? I think in our chat, at least the overwhelming consensus seems to be it's Nick Foles. Like he gives you the best option of the guys that are potentially available, Yikes, if
3: that's the best option. Well,
1: well, just of what's available.
0: That conversation right started with would Cam make sense reuniting with Ron Rivera right. in Washington, and there's a lot of reasons why we talked that we talked about internally about. Probably, probably not, not, to be honest. Yeah, probably not, and he wouldn't really be a great fit for them. And so we're extending that hypothetical scenario of Heineke spits the bit, he's done. We need it. We need to bring in outside help and start going through the list of names. And yeah, it's that bad. You get yeah, to Nick Foles real quick. You get to mm-hmm. Nick Foles real quick. Uh, Jacoby Brissett float your boat. That was one of the other ones that
2: was bandied
3: around. <laughs> now, you feel better about that? yeah, that's another option, isn't it? Uh, Interesting.
2: That, yeah, that's an option. Yeah, yeah, that's good is that there aren't. Thank you.
3: <laughs> there aren't 32 good NFL starting quarterbacks. Right. And that's and that's that's the, the thing that people don't understand. Or like, I think it's sort of. I don't know. Uh, it's like a, it's a it's a dirty little secret is that there are not 32 NFL starting quarterbacks who do a good job. Right. And I think that, that that's the point you're sort of driving home here. There's
0: maybe 26, yeah. 28.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. And, no, and then
0: the I, funny would thing about, I would say that's no, high. I would say that. No, well, it probably is. But the funny <laughs> thing about that is even whatever you cut the number at, it's the highest it's ever been.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, exactly. we
0: talked about that in the preseason, Steve, like the mm-hmm. whole quarterback becoming tight end Spider-Man meme for overall positional rankings. It's in effect, like it's, it's nuts.
1: Right. Once you get out of the top three or four, it just becomes a lot of the same thing. So I, I just, I'm wondering if they stick with what they've got, if this is the direction they're going. And then I think too, uh, like you said, it really depends on where they are in their season, the closer they get to Fitzpatrick potentially coming back, because I think that division should theoretically be bad enough that their defense can carry them to victories and they should still be in it. So if they feel like they've got a shot to make a run and he can be healthy, then they would bring him back. But I would think they're going to be overly cautious.
0: If they're competing and Heineke is doing well, I think it's really easy. It's just Heineke the rest of the way. That's what we'll do. It's cheap. It's it's (laughs) fine. And we don't have to make any Eh, that, and this is my whole analysis for Washington anyway is usually from an ownership management. This is their opinion anyways. Eh, whatever dog.
1: Yeah, it's it somebody
0: out there. It's fine. Draft Dwayne Haskins. It's fine. Man. <laughs> whatever. Like, yeah. whatever, man, I got stuff. Yeah, like, whatever. whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. So that's, that's usually how they operate there. So I'm sad about this though. This one was my saddest <laughs> I- injury of the weekend. Cause I was right. looking forward to the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Washington football team all season. Cause it was going to be an, unbelievable roller coaster of of just schlock (laughs) so looking forward to it
1: (laughs) uh well of everything that we talked about here edwin we'll we'll wrap up is there anything that uh we may have missed or that you've got your eye on that you're looking for going into week two that like what was a big takeaway maybe for you from week one that that we didn't touch on already, if anything.
3: And maybe you touched on it before I, I got on, but um, y- Saquon looked good. Yeah, he looked good. He had good mm-hmm. bursts. He had good power. He's just a guy who's week one after an ACL meniscus issue. Exactly. Uh, I, said it, I said it all offseason that I think he's going to come back. He has checks all the boxes to be an outlier, and I think he still will be. So I think after this week, if you could put some feelers out for a trading Saquon Barkley, I would do that. I'm probably going to do that. But, uh, I think week three, four is when you're going to start seeing him get a little bit more unleashed, And I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. My, my teams are excited for Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And people like we've talked about this several times,
1: the fact that, you know, everybody talks about Saquon Barkley, like he's, you know, so old and been around in the league forever. And he's 24. Like it's, it's ridiculous that, that he's getting all this like hate and disrespect, like he's done. Cause that's kind of just the, the running back position in general is the more you're in the league, the less people are interested, but yeah. I'm,
3: I'm right there with you. I think Saquon looked good. So that's it. I think that's really it. And that, that's been good. Saquon looked good. Go and <laughs> and tell everybody in your, everybody in your life. That Saquon. No, no. Tell, tell no one. And I was going to say, that's right, yeah, that's until right. you make
2: the program down,
0: <laughs>
1: until Turn after it off. the trade offers are done, then go ahead and tell everybody. he
2: Yeah. The, th- the thing with Saquon, he's going to have a bad week against Washington because it's a really good defense. And then week three, Atlanta Falcons, If you can trade for him before then,
1: I like the gambler in me really wants to wait. I want to sit here, wait, kind of hope he has another little bit of a, like a down statistical week this week as they continue to ramp him up in the production and ramp him up in snaps. And then if he has another low week after week two, that's when I'm, I'm going to the trade block and I'm looking and seeing if I can get a decent offer that's 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 strong advice I think Jack what do you think what was your takeaway from from week one that we might not have touched on
2: who well we touched on DeAndre Swift that was my favorite one I know ah takeaway uh, Lamar <laughs> Lamar Jackson qB1 question mark <laughs>
1: <laughs> well when you said takeaway in Lamar Jackson I assumed it was the fumble but if you're no oh. oh, you're just talking about in general, okay.
2: Uh, the, no, uh, oh, no, okay. I, I've, I've, cu- I've come up with one, sorry. Okay. Uh, Austin Eckler, zero targets in week one. Yep. But I'm not worried about it because like he was obviously coming back from the hamstring. No surprise, they wanted to manage his workload. What I'm excited about is he got the goal line carry. He got the goal line touchdown. So if he's right. actually getting goal line work and then he gets the receiving back because he's the, one of the best receiving backs in the game, he's not going to lose that. Right. Austin Eckler could be this year's Christian McCaffrey, this year's Alvin Kamara. That's a statement right there. Did you see that Chargers O-line though? Did you (laughs) see Rashawn Slater handle Chase Young? Justin (laughs) Herbert for MVP. That's my takeaway.
1: And uh, Edwin, no concern
3: about Austin
1: Eckler in the hamstring?
3: I'd keep monitoring it. Week one is typically when you're on the highest of alerts. I didn't see him. I don't think the Chargers have posted there. He was Uh, removed
2: from the injury. Yeah.
3: So then, yeah, it's probably not that big of an issue moving forward. Not as big of an issue as it was in week one. I think that the reason his volume was capped was Mm -hmm. for that reason, like Jack was saying. So I think that I think we're good to go on Eckler. Okay. Woo! Neil, any other week one takeaways for you?
0: Well, it's not so much a takeaway, Steve, as much as it's just a, a quick high five between you and I, because Jalen Hurts is good at football. Baby. That's right.
1: We called high that. Five.
0: High, high five. That. Called yeah. that. And we'll do that high five, hopefully like <laughs> 17 more times this year, because nobody wanted to listen to this. Exactly. And there it is right there in front of your face. 34 points.
1: That's right. Mm. All right. So I, uh, well, I've got one last thing and you brought up Lamar, Jack. So I, I have to do it. We've got Edwin here and you are by far my favorite, you know, injury follow on Twitter uh, I've got to ask basically a hundred percent of my teams are interested
3: how does Rashad Bateman look this year coming yeah back? I, I think that I think they're gonna work him in slowly as soon as he can be back his week four I think that's realistic I wouldn't expect him to be full tilt until like week five six but Perfect. the these injuries and these surgeries they do really well as long as you manage them correctly and we don't expect Baltimore to mismanage this. I think that Rashad Bateman's gonna is gonna be looking really good by week eight or nine. Fantastic. I have him on a couple of, I have him stashed on a couple of rosters. Uh I think my uh
1: actual exposure in best ball ended up being somewhere near like 75%. I just got so much Rashad Bateman. It was out of control. I've got him on every single redraft team. Uh it's just chef's kiss. I'm, I'm excited. Can't wait. Uh so it's that's good news. I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys are following Edwin everywhere at FB injury doc. Uh, again, he's a, you're our go-to anytime, any kind of injury happens. I'm immediately checking what you have to say about it. Well, so, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. We like all your information's fantastic. I love the quick hitter podcast as well. Check that out. Where can they find you? doing yeah. all your stuff.
3: The injury prone fantasy football podcast. You already mentioned my Twitter handle at FB injury doc. And then all my written stuff, go to fantasypoints.com, go to the news and research tab. I think it is. And then mm-hmm. injury insights. I'm constantly updating that um, in a very similar fashion that NBC, uh, you know, whatever old Roto world updates right. <laughs> uh, sports update, sports edge, except yes. it's mm-hmm. an injury injury section. It's an injury tab. So I yeah. give a little bit of a tiny breakdown there as the week is, is tabulating.
1: Yes, it's fantastic information to have, and we appreciate you joining us here. Uh, Jack, where can the people find you?
2: You can find me everywhere at javanah 87 and you can find my work over at importantnonsense.com. I run the Friday Night Insights podcast, where we set your fantasy lineup on Friday nights. You can join us, and you can ask any question you have about your starting lineup for the weekend, and we will tell you who to start. And I run the Club po- Nonsense podcast on Sunday nights, recapping everything from the weekend and neil and you can find me for just
0: about everywhere at, at nonsense underscore neil check me out on twitter but primarily sign up to be a patreon get into our discord because if you really want to talk to us i am i get on twitter when i can but i'm in that discord talking to people literally all day constantly long. yeah we're on there all day so if you really want to talk to us one dollar become a patron and get access to our discord and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have chop it up with you take a look at trades evaluate whatever it is it's a real fun community that we're building for the 2021 fantasy football
1: season all right and we will be back next week and we're, we still don't we'll have to discuss what we're going to do but something it is the 200th episode celebration so we'll get we'll, we'll get something together jack you'll be involved in fact this, are, you to, this will be a project you, you'll have to do in was the back congratulations we're getting tomorrow. old as
0: a show jack we're at 200 we're doing <laughs> Very it exciting
1: we did it uh but Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening for the audio version. And until next week, keep up the nonsense.
0: Thank you. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!